Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. For more in-depth perspectives and interesting stories, sign up for our daily newsletter at tvo.org slash daily. Indigenous journalists across this province are eager to cover the stories of their communities and beyond, but there are challenges inherent to capturing the big picture. Shelby Lisk is our Ontario Hub's journalist covering Indigenous issues, and she joins us now from Ottawa on her recent series of articles looking into that. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jan. So your recent series looked at how you participated in this Indigenous-led training program that you took uh, part in March. Uh, What can you tell us about that and why did you find it so valuable? So the program is called the Indigenous 150 Plus program, and it's a podcast and leadership training program for youth um, up to the ages of 28. So that's me, and I just squeaked in there. Um, And it was created by Joanne Fishburne of Good Influence Films. So it grew out of a film and conversation series that she was running um, where they would bring important Indigenous films to communities, and then afterwards they would have these moderated um, Q&As. And they really wanted youth to be leading those discussions, but but they wanted to set youth for success. So they created this program so they could teach them those skills to moderate. So, you know, interviewing skills, for example. So, you know, the question is, you're a working journalist. Why did you feel like you needed to get involved in a program like this? Yeah, so I think that that was Joanne's big question, too, when I applied and I was talking to her about it. Um, You know, I'm a working journalist and I've learned a lot of those technical skills, but what was really missing from my journalism education was, you know, conversations around how to work with Indigenous communities in respectful ways. And I really just wanted a space where I could talk to other people who really cared about that um, and learn as much as I could from them as well. Now, in this program, you, of course, were working on uh, putting together a podcast at the end of it. But what I found interesting was in this program, it's not just Indigenous participants, it's also non-Indigenous participants. What was that conversation like? Yeah, so we had participants from all across Canada. So there were people from you know, New Brunswick to BC, up to Nunavut. Um, and so we really all brought different experiences and backgrounds um, to, to the conversations. Mm-hmm. And so everybody was very respectful of each other and you know it felt like a really safe space to ask questions and you know there was no stupid question and we were all just you know very honest with one another and so we were able to talk about you know serious issues like systemic racism but then we also were able to have you know these these conversations that i don't think you know indigenous and non-indigenous people have like we talked about you know should non-indigenous people be learning indigenous languages right. um and you know how do you get a name in your culture how do you introduce yourself in your language um so you know we were i was even really able to learn from all the people uh, across canada in places that i've never been to before very interesting now for this series you also interviewed uh, a few indigenous media professionals about their experiences uh what were some of the common threads and themes from those discussions so I think the two most common themes in the conversations that I had um, was rep- was about representation and about responsibility. So the conversation around representation was really about, you know, what stereotypes and dehumanizing language and imagery do we still 
do we still see um, in indigenous stories and media? And, you know, the journalist that I interviewed, she shared a story with me that just really stuck with me. Um, and she was saying when she was studying journalism at Humber in Toronto, she remembers there was a conflict going on back near her home community, which is Six Nations um, in Caledonia. So not too dissimilar from what is actually currently happening right now. And she said she was listening to the news about it. And, you know, they kept talking about the dispute as the people versus the natives. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she's sitting there with her peers and they're all learning in journalism school about how important language is and the words that you choose. And they're sitting there and saying like, oh, well, I guess, Kelly, you know, you're not a person by by this definition. And so those are the kinds of things that we're we're telling Canadians. But, you know, even what I think is even more sad is those are also the kinds of things that we're feeding, you know, Indigenous youth about how how they're valued in this country. Right. Now, one of the other conversations you had was with a historian, and she explained kind of the historical reasons for way newsrooms deal with Indigenous issues. Can you share some of her insight? Yeah. So um, that was Carmen Robertson, and she shared with me, you know, that newspapers really got their start more so in Europe and in the United States um, before coming to Canada. But when newspapers were opened here, they were usually opened by settlers who came from those those countries and those regions. And so when they came over, they sort of came already with these ideas about objectivity in journalism, which we now know, you know, to be skewed. And they also came with uh, already came with these prejudices and, you know, racist ideas about people of color or people who look different from them. And so because these ideas were already so entrenched in their mind, it obviously translated into the media, into the journalism that they were creating. And then that sort of creates this feed feedback loop, you know, where your opinion is just being solidified by the media. And that's sort of been this feedback loop that's been going on for, you know, over 150 years now. This is a very, very interesting uh, thought there. I'm In one of your interviews, you spoke to Megan Fowler of Journalism for Human Rights and talked about the importance of newsroom training. Of course, we've, across Canada, newsrooms received training, but for people who are not familiar with what that looks like, can you explain what that looks like and uh, what some of the takeaways Megan Fowler explained? Yeah, so she said that when, when JHR, will, they'll go into a newsroom or sometimes they'll also go into schools, journalism schools, and talk to students. And, you know, they always start by going over, you know, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, um, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Report, um, and going over those calls to action and, you know, specifically what media's role is with within those. Um, and then they will, they will usually go into a little bit of history about the indigenous communities that are around, you know, where they're giving the presentation mm-hmm. and, and then talk a little bit about terminology and, you know, harmful stereotypes and look at stories and sort of discuss them, you know, amongst the group, you know, what, what could be harmful in this and what, or what is good about it. She did say that it, it was kind of a relief for indigenous journalists as well. Um, talk about that kind of the burden as well, you know, for indigenous journalists being in that newsroom, sometimes being the only voice. Yeah, so she did really stress to me that, you know, part of the reason why JHR does this is to sort of relieve that burden from Indigenous journalists so that we can enter the newsroom and feel like we can just tell we can tell stories about what we care about. And, you know, we can do our job without also having to be, you know, the Indigenous expert on the side. Um, But she also really stressed to me as well that, you know, many newsrooms or schools might think, you know, we've done this training and now we can check it off the list. But she really doesn't want people to think that when JHR comes in. She wants them to know that this is one step in a journey that in, in a learning process. 
You also spoke to a working journalist, um, and you got quite personal in uh, in that Q and A. And I imagine it was kind of a unique experience for you as a indigenous journalist interviewing a fellow indigenous journalist. Uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, so I I feel like I'm really lucky in my job because I mostly get to interview indigenous people, which is really nice. And there's always that you know that sort of everyone relaxes when we have that something in common. And so it was even, it was even more like that um, when interviewing an indigenous journalist and, you know, it really helps to feel like you're not alone. And so I left a lot of the back and forth um, in our Q and a, which I maybe usually wouldn't do because I really wanted people to see that, you know, this isn't just this one journalist experience. You know, this is a very common experience and this is happening to a lot of us. Um, so there was lots of things that we shared in common. And, you know, one thing that we we talked about for, for a while is that, you know, we're both Mohawk. We're both from Mohawk communities in Ontario. So she's from Six Nations and I'm from Tyendinaga. And so both of our communities have been in, in the news this, this year quite a bit. And we both talked about our hesitation and our fear and the responsibility of reporting in our own communities and how that kind of stopped us, you know, from reporting on those things. Uh, my last question to you is, um, you know, after the work you did on this series, uh, what's the main message you hope media organizations take away? Yeah, so I think that, you know, we all kind of recognize now that we need more Indigenous voices in media. But I think that we also have to look at we need Indigenous um, we need Indigenous people in all levels of media organizations. So in decision-making roles as well, in editor positions, producer positions, you know, CEO positions. Um so we can really see that structure change. And I ended my essay with a quote from Jesse Wente when he was talking about diversity in the newsroom. And he said, you know, just being in the newsroom doesn't cut it. What we need is the walls of that newsroom to come down so the room doesn't even exist anymore. So what I get from that is that he's really talking about an entire restructuring. And I think that that's what we need to see happen. Shelby? Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. That's Shelby Lisk, our Ontario Hub journalist covering Indigenous issues. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Agenda with Steve Pakin is brought to you by the Chartered Professional Accountants of Ontario. CPA Ontario is a regulator, an educator, a thought leader, and an advocate. We protect the public. We advance our profession. We guide our CPAs. We are CPA Ontario. And by viewers like you. Thank you.